welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about some nail-biting negotiations. And we're going to deep dive into a case study of, you know, when negotiating the sale of a property, you as the investor selling a property, when it maybe doesn't quite go your way. Now, we've stolen this from the Property Investors Chat Group, which is a pretty popular Facebook group. And we have done a lot of sleuthing on this. So we've got a lot of data that even if you read the comments thread, and there were about 100 comments on it, which I actually went through all of them, we then went and did some detective work. And we've got a lot of details that weren't on there. So you get to learn something. So Andrew, take us through the story. A guy from Tauranga was selling a property and he had a cash unconditional offer of $1.05 million. And he thought... Oh, that's a good offer, but not quite good enough. So he counted with $1.1 million. And the buyer went, no, and walked away. Now, six weeks later, he's had no other offers. Nothing. What should I do? Well, that's the question. So there are a few things to think through, right? Because you might start to be nail-biting yourself now, or biting your nails, I suppose what I should say. Yeah. It's after six weeks, no offer. So there are a few things to think through. So let's go through step by step. Andrew, start by, you know, why might the buyers just walk away in that situation? Why wouldn't they negotiate with them? So after we did some stalking through Property Guru, we found the property and it was listed as buyer's inquiry over 1.05 mil, which was the price that the, the original offer came in at. Now, this was not something disclosed in the chat group. We no, did exactly. our detective work. So the purchaser came in with an all-cash offer. So they were saying, hey, look, I'm not going to pay over, but I'm going to pay you exactly what that price is, but with a clean offer, like as clean as you can get, cash, unconditional offer. So maybe he was just feeling a bit pissed off. If that were me, and making a golden offer at that asking, well, not the asking price because it was buyer's inquiry over, but even at a dollar over, it's not a bad deal. People with cash offers tend to be in strong negotiating positions. Personally, if I'm making a cash offer on something, I want a discount. So the first thing is you think maybe the buyers were a wee bit ticked off. Yeah, yeah. Also then, if I've got $1.05 million ready either in my bank account or- Ready to go. Or, or ready to go, well, maybe- Maybe something else came along as well. You know, you've got quite a lot of options. Yeah, okay. Especially because it was six weeks ago. So let's just dig through why this guy say no to the first offer. Because I don't think he was being greedy, actually, after reading through all the different comments. He said no because he, quote, found the offer tolerable but not satisfactory. And he's got a use for the funds. He wants to use the money that comes out for some business ventures. So, you know, naturally he wants to maximise that sale price. So was he just being greedy? Well, I've already given it away. I said no. So I've gone on to homes.co.nz, one roof and QV. And homes.co.nz was just under 1.2 mil. One roof thought it was 1.05 and QV 1.1 mil. Now, of course, as you guys know from listening to the show, there's usually plus or minus 10% either way on those, but you know, they're in the right ballpark. So I wouldn't automatically say he's greedy. And you know what? At the same time, you don't know what the demand's going to be. So the first offer might have come along 1.05 and it he might thinks- It might have come in day one. It sounds like it came in pretty early. And he might have thought, well, I might just 
test it out then and wait. I might try my luck at trying to get a higher price. And if they say no, then I'll wait and try and get that higher price because an extra 50K to put towards your business could be pretty substantial. Now, my question for you though, Andrew, because it wasn't disclosed what the sales process was in the chat thread, did the real estate agent make a mistake advertising buyer's inquiry over 1.05 mil when the vendor, quote, found it tolerable but not satisfactory? Well, I, uh, you say the word tolerable. If it's tolerable, you would have accepted it. Tolerable is acceptable. But you might have wanted it to go better. Yeah, I, oh, know, what a I know, but but then it's not tolerable. Well, do you think that they should have advertised at, at 1.1, for instance? Yes, yeah, perhaps that's what they should have done. But then, let me ask you this. So do you think you should just accept any tolerable offer? Because under what you've just said, you should just accept any tolerable offer and well, not well, negotiate. If it's, if it's tolerable implies that you tolerate it and you're accepting it. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that, you, you know, you want to still bargain and try and get a better price. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. But like, this is probably a case of a bird in the hand. If it's a tolerable, unconditional offer, take the tolerable, unconditional offer. Otherwise, it's not tolerable. Yeah, see, I reckon there might have been a... Do you reckon there was a mistake here with the real estate agent? If he really didn't, let's use your black and white definitions. Should they have done it at 1.1, for instance, so there was a clearer price yeah, signal? Yeah, I think so. Because, again, if someone's willing to give me a cash offer at, in my mind, what was the asking price, even if it's buyer inquiry over, I think that would annoy me making that offer and making a clean offer and then getting rejected. I just go, oh, you're being greedy and the market's changing. Tough luck. So let's dig into this just to get real specific. Do you reckon he should have just taken it? I would have. I absolutely would have. If so I, Prince of Property, Andrew Dicker, would yeah, not have tried to I get had, a higher price. No, if I, if I had buyer's inquiry over 1.05, Right. If I had a conditional offer, I'd probably go back and forward. If I had an unconditional offer, I would have taken it. Probably it's fifty grand, mate. It's a lot of money. Yes, I know, but in a market where you know there are fewer buyers than there used to be, we're talking about the here and the now. Yeah. Okay. So the next thing to think: make up your own minds, team. Text me who's right. Ed is how you spell my name. E D. <laughs> now the next thing to think through is well. Of course, how quickly does he need the cash, right? What are his holding costs? Because if he can afford to hold on for ages, if it's not costing him a lot to hold this property, then he can wait longer. If he needs to sell it quickly because he's got high holding costs, then maybe he can't negotiate as much. So talk me through, Andrew, you know, what were his holding costs? Okay. Well, this property was unencumbered, which means it's got no mortgage. So no interest costs, no principal payments. So I guess they've got uh, the ability to afford to wait this out a little bit longer than most people who have got a rental property that's empty. So your only holding costs is probably going to be your rates, your insurance, and, and some electricity, because you still want to keep the electricity on while you've got to open homes. So it kind of just comes down to how quickly this person needs the money. And it doesn't sound like it's too urgent based on the comments. So they can afford to wait it out. But then again, you don't want to wait it out so long that you don't start the new business. If you've got a reason to have that money come in, then you do want to start moving on with your life. So what can he actually do? So you could reapproach the buyers, first of all. So you could say, hey, look, we will accept your offer at that $1.05 million. They might have moved on to something else at this stage. Or if you really just want the money, if you want this deal done, you could even give them a lower price. You could say, hey, look, I'll take a million dollars and cross your fingers and hope 
that they, they accept it. Again, that's if you want to make this happen at that price or slightly lower. You could spend more money on marketing to attract some more buyers. And part of that might actually be finding another real estate agent. Not saying the real estate agent's done anything wrong here, but sometimes you do need a refresher, you need a new database. Currently, this has been advertised with one of the lower cost agents. And again, we're not saying they're good or, or they're not good. We're just saying then maybe you might want a broader market to be advertising that too. And just on there, I saw that the real estate agent, we won't name names, you know, they'd been operating as a real estate agent since May 2020. Okay. So that kind of says Look, to me, they've probably, only been operating in a booming market. Absolutely. You know? They don't necessarily know how to work both sides of the transaction to get a deal closed. And again, I mean, I don't know the details of the conversations, but if I were an agent and I was working for my vendor, it's not just about getting them the best price, but it's about getting them what they want, the money, right? So if I had an offer that was unconditional at the amount that was the buyer's inquiry over, I'd say, you're mad not to take this, but I'm not a real estate agent. The fourth thing you could do is you can wait. This guy's obviously in a good financial situation if he's got an unencumbered rental property. He's got time on his side probably in this case if he doesn't need that money for the business right away. So maybe he can sit it out for a while as well. So I really like these case studies, you know, because then we can deep dive into this nail-biting negotiation and kind of understand what it's like when we're buying and selling properties because we're talking about Big amounts of money. In this case, the difference between 1.05 million and 1.1 million is still $50,000. It's more than what some people take home in a year after working for you. It's a lot of money. But it ultimately comes down to liquidating your property in this situation. And so you might decide that, hey, maybe in some instances you will negotiate depending on what's in the contract or what's in the offer. And sometimes you will negotiate based on what's in the offer or what would be in the contract. And sometimes you might not decide to negotiate at all so that you get the deal secured. But look, here are the options of this one. And I think it's uh, really interesting, Andrew, as well, to take a look at the comments and see just the variety of what different people think this person should do next or should have done in the past. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to learn more about property with Andrew and I, come to our webinar. It is this Tuesday, 7pm. We're going to give you the six strategies you can use to get yourself in the position to get the bank to say yes to your first or your next investment property. Link's down in the show notes, so tap or swipe over the cover art. Link's in there. Or just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash webinar. listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 